This week on Dynasty Domain, we are diving into the 2023 rookie class. We're doing the first round of a mock draft with Dynasty players. Get into guys like B. John Robinson, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. It should be really fun. I'm Avery Huffman. I'm Nathan Schmidt. I'm Simon Denny. Welcome to Dynasty Domain. So we are super thrilled to have you joining us today. Again, we're going to get into these 2023 rookies. It's now going to be uh, a point of focus in Dynasty because we are ending uh, this season here. We are in the playoffs, and people who are not in the playoffs, especially those with early picks... Uh, are already looking at you know who these rookies are, who we should be targeting, who who do we like in this class, um, and so us three being obviously good dynasty players, but having good resources, having good connections, we thought we would go ahead and bring on uh, one of our buddies from DD, our director of content, and that is Jeremy Johnson. So. Welcome, Jeremy. We're glad to have you on again. You've obviously been on one of our videos, but uh, we're excited to be able to talk with you about some of these guys today with you you know, being so knowledgeable about them. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, definitely. What a pleasure to have all three of the guys sitting there ready to, ready to do a show finally. I know. Welcome back. Yeah, and it's been a while too. So yeah, and the other thing, I guess we, we're not going to introduce Simon at this point. You know he's gone most of the time, and when he's here, it's not that he's, special. He's so, boring. Yeah. yeah. All right. A uh, lot, of, lot of stuff to cover on today. We're going to jump right into it. So again, we've done multiple mock drafts um, already this offseason. Uh, offseason is technically not, but... What we have found is that these rookie picks are, you know, this is a deep class, and and these rookie picks are correctly valued in terms of it is good uh, that people have been acquiring these picks because some of these players, some of these guys you're getting even in the late first and into the second round you're going to find are very, very good compared to the depth of last year's class. So... Uh, starting with the 101, there's really no surprise here. Uh, it's going to be Bijan Robinson, and, and, and look out for another video on Bijan Robinson from Dynasty Domain this week. Uh, but Jeremy, we'll start with you on all of these. I'll give you the first say, since you probably uh, have watched them more than us. Tell us a little bit about um, you know Bijan, and, and is, is he valued correctly here? He's obviously going really high in startups, um, but what he does well and why he's such a generational prospect. Definitely valued correctly. Big news for Bijan. He actually declared for the NFL draft today. So oh. there was some some concern that he potentially may stay with all the NIL money that he was getting with the Lamborghini endorsements and the the Honey Dijon mustard endorsements and stuff like that as a running back. You know, I think he'll probably I don't think we'll see him get the draft capital that say like a Saquon or a Zeke or a Leonard Fournette. Christian McCaffrey, like that kind of top 10 capital. But I mean, the Eagles do have like a top 10 pick they probably shouldn't have anyway. And that would be a lot of fun to put Bijan behind that offensive line that just absolutely mauls. But he, I, yeah, I mean, he, former five star recruit, he's done nothing but just absolutely ball out in his time in Texas. Really good between the tackles. He's probably the, probably the best receiving back in the class, too, which you can't really say a lot in terms of like a complete scale running back sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, he's good in a lot of areas of the game. Yeah. There's a uh, very little, if any to anything to not like about Bijan Robinson. I, I mean, I, I think he's probably one of the best prospects we've ever seen. Um, especially I, I wouldn't go as far as saying better than Saquon because we haven't seen his combine numbers yet, but a lot of promise here. We're excited to see what he can do. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, 
I don't know if you all agree on this, but I think the only reason he's not getting the draft capital or presumably getting the draft capital of those, you know, Zeke, Saquon, Fournette, et cetera, is because the NFL's learned how to yep. value running backs better. It's changed. So, yeah, the, 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 the valuation of running yeah, backs it's, in the it's NFL. It's not a slight to him as a prospect at all. So, obviously, not a lot to say. Everybody knows his name. Everybody knows who he is. We're going to, you know, this is not somebody that's going to be a new name to people. If you have the 101, you're taking B. John Robinson or you're trading it. Um, again, look out for another video on that this week. All right, at the 102, uh, the first quarterback off the board, and this has been interesting to me. Let's go ahead and talk about the 102 and the 103 together here because, honestly, you know, I saw a lot even just six months ago where C.J. Stroud was going over Bryce Young, but in this particular mock draft and in most mock drafts, not only for the NFL but for Dynasty, now you're seeing Bryce Young pretty consistently go over C.J. Stroud. So it's Bryce Young at the 102, uh, CJ Stroud at the 103. So JC, I want to get your thoughts on, you know, is this the order you're going to take them in? Why has Bryce Young leapfrog CJ Stroud? Um, what do you think? How do you think their landing spots are going to impact this? And is this where you think they should be going in terms of, you know, where they're going in the draft? Yeah. So probably around six months ago, I would have also said that I had CJ Stroud as my, my QB one in this class. If he brings that prototypical size, good pocket awareness has really good touch. And, I mean, he's, he's just been very good the last few years. He's played with incredible talent on the outside at the receiving position. But overall, he's really not done anything to make you think that he can't play quarterback at the NFL level. I think what it comes down to is that, you know, unfortunately there's a little bit of Ohio State bias in terms of quarterback production and that there's been a lot of players that have come out that we thought were going to be can't-miss guys and they ended up hurting dynasty owners and franchises in general. I think what Bryce Young really brings – He's got incredible arm strength. I, I, I actually posted a video on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, and a lot of guys, a lot of Alabama fans have liked it, retweeted it, commented on it, because they know the arm strength there, and it's not even just the 60-yard bombs that he's thrown to Jameson Williams last year. He's really good at processing like the quick hitter 15-yard out routes, which is a lot more important for an NFL quarterback. But he has the intangibles. He has incredible pocket awareness he's so good in the pocket he never gets tackled on on the first attempt and he has good feet good mobility I think the the, the knack on Stroud the knock on Stroud and why he's probably below young is because he's just kind of fallen flat in the biggest games of his career and people are going to wonder if he can carry a franchise that's probably going to draft him to be a high pick and the, the team's not going to be very good around him yeah, and I, I think I'm with you there, JC, for the um, uh, just the the positive thing we've seen with Bryce Young this season is I, I think his poise under pressure in the pocket has just been phenomenal from some of the some of the passes he's made in the red zone on you know third down plays where there's no option available his reads aren't there the play just goes to crap and then he finds an open receiver an open tight end and it's like within a split second I mean that's out of it's out of his hands and and into a receiver's receiver's hands and it's a touchdown like it's just really impressive stuff we've seen there um with Stroud though I mean Avery you probably have looked into Stroud the most out of any of us you like him the most out of any of us I kind of want to hear what you have to say about Stroud what are sort of your reasons for why Stroud maybe hasn't shown up of recent in college in those big games and how that really probably doesn't affect his value as a quarterback prospect sure. well I mean obviously you know I'm not the only one that has seen this I mean it, you saw again CJ Stroud go Going one on one. I mean, as as 
recent as six months ago, and now you've seen, you know, even even the guys who are connected with NFL sources are saying, yeah, it's probably going to be Bryce Young. So, so really, you know, you're talking one on one in the NFL. Yes, yeah, 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 yes. So, in terms of you know, you know, validity of my opinion, probably not super high. But for me, you know, when I'm watching C.J. Stroud, and I've obviously liked him, I think he's, you know, I I love I love his arm, I love his touch and his accuracy. I think he makes NFL level throws. Um, I think he, you know, and this is just a hunch, and I and I, I think I think you're seeing, um. A quarterback who still has some developing to do, and especially in terms of you know uh, pocket awareness. Now there, obviously, I think are going to be some intangibles that you know can't be taught that Bryce Young is going to have the advantage over, and you've just kind of seen that from a natural athletic ability. Um, and I think that makes a little bit of sense to me as to why Young has kind of jumped over Stroud in terms of you know arm talent, and and obviously you know the rushing thing for for Young is important as well. In terms of arm talent, you know I and size. I I it, it have struggled to see you know to justify why Bryce Young has jumped this far over C.J. Stroud, but that's just from that's just from a personal you know opinion standpoint. Like I I again I'm watching his film. I love I love his arm talent. I think he makes NFL level throws. And for me, like, kind of compared him to Deshaun Watson in yeah. terms of arm talent. So and I don't know, Jeremy, you may not think I you. Tell me if you think this is a valid comparison even, but when I watch his college tape in terms of, you know, his his accuracy and his arm, like he reminds me a lot of a young Deshaun Watson. That's what I really like watch I mean, even now, but more so, you know, in at Clemson and early when he would play the Colts twice a year. I loved watching Deshaun Watson because of the way he threw, because of the accuracy in his throws. He I mean, it was he was brilliant with the football in terms of his placement. And so I see a lot of that in Stroud too. And I so I think some of this is personal preference. Um but at the same time, you're going to have to look most importantly at how the NFL values these guys. If Bryce Young is going at the 101 in the NFL, then I mean, there's pretty much no question that you should probably be taking him over over Stroud in startup drafts, unless you know you have a really strong conviction. Which for me, I think um, I think the NFL draft capital would be the strongest conviction for me, stronger than any personal feelings. Um, do you have a do you have a comp for Stroud and and Young by chance, Jeremy? Who do you, who are guys that you you know see similarities with these guys in? Honestly, I think the closest thing to Bryce Young and the comparison was given to Kyler and almost like a little bit to Baker in some respects. But I, I truly think he is the closest thing to Russell Wilson that we've seen. I think like so prime too. Russell in terms of ability to like throw that. that deep ball down the sidelines. He actually throws the ball over the middle of the field a lot more than Russell Wilson does as well. And he, his arm strength for as as slight of his body that he is being like five. 11 190 is probably what he's at right now because you see him in like those Heisman commercials with Kyler Murray standing next to him and he definitely isn't as thick as Kyler Murray and Kyler Murray is like he was 5'10 207 at the combine if Bryce Young is 200 pounds at the combine I'd be I'd be thrilled if I were his age I I don't know if he's yeah and that's that's the only knock on Bryce Young I saw Dane Bugler comp CJ Stroud to um a little more athletic version of Jared Goff. Um, I wouldn't be thrilled with like oh. a little more athletic of Jared Goff if if I were. That makes me sick. I, I mean, I, he's I, running quite the golf fence in Detroit. Yeah, I mean, Goff, ha- Goff hasn't been horrible, and in, in in terms of being a fantasy asset, like he hasn't been bad this year. If you're looking at a more athletic version of Stroud or, or more athletic version of Goff, like what would Goff be mm-hmm. if he were more athletic? I it could know. be. Pretty good. I would so. like to think that Stroud's arm is going to develop into a better arm. Yeah, than I think the point is uh, the NFL team with the one-on-one is going to shoot for the stars, and um, 
the one thing I've only watched two two games with CJ Stroud on film. I've watched like actively, but not not scouting him. And the one thing that worries me is um, his ability to anticipate wide receivers coming open um, because he's had such skilled wide receivers and he always finds them if they're running open. But you have to, as an NFL quarterback, anticipate when that break is coming and put the ball there before they've even started. You to have to turn. throw them open. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and I just saw a couple times where he just he missed someone when they broke open. You know, they break in their, you know, five yards away from someone and he missed it because he wasn't anticipating it. Yeah. And I think that's all development. Again, I've just I really been those do. two so games. That goes back to then then um, just to wrap this up. It goes back to my hope. My hope, you know, liking CJ Stroud and trying to stay away from that, you know, Ohio State bias is that he we are seeing a we are seeing somebody who's raw and who needs some polishing from a good NFL QB. I think his landing spot's going to be really important in terms of who's going to develop him as a quarterback. I do think he, there are some things he couldn't continue to pick up and I hope that is the case for CJ Stroud. So, all right, moving on. At the 104, we've got Jameer Gibbs. So, and <laughs> Jeremy's actually the one that I think sent me this, but uh, we're going to mention this again just because it was the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. With, <laughs> with Jameer Gibbs, I don't remember the guy's name that said this, but you know he was talking about how people just assume that running backs are going to come in and take over backfields right away, which to some extent there's some truth there. Like Not all running backs are going to do that. And then he said, I would be, I'd be thrilled if Jameer Gibbs were James Cook this year. And, and this is not a James Cook knock. This is a knock on the guy that you know, said that. So, so Jeremy... You have higher expectation for Gibbs, I'm assuming. I hope. I would. That would be very unfortunate if he turns into a. <laughs> yeah. Um, Especially spend the 104 on him in a rookie draft. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love James Cook. I think. I think it's going to happen here sooner or later. I think he's. I think he's shown that that he's he's gotten better over the season. But yeah, yeah I'm not going to get it. <laughs> I'd be thrilled at 104 that I'm taking James Cook and like just. Lend the lend the dice fall where they may. I, I I wouldn't be thrilled with that. I know me and you have talked about Jameer Gibbs. He's not my RB two in the class. Um, I do think that he's an incredibly good receiver out of the backfield, and I think that he's going to be able to line up outside of the numbers in the slot. He's going to be able to be used as a receiving back, and he may not get you know fifteen twenty carries a game between the tackles, but they'll give him like ten, twelve, maybe fifteen carries. Along with that receiving work, the guy everybody wants to compare him to Alvin Kamara. I think, no. you know, I've I've made the mistake. A lot of people have made the mistake of wanting to constantly compare receiving running backs coming out of college to Alvin Kamara. Yep. It's just not the same. He's Alvin Kamara is an absolute freak when it comes to contact balance and hand-eye coordination and route running out of the backfield. There's just nobody else in the NFL that could do what he does. I think he's a lot closer to like an Aaron Jones. Yes, that is, that is also wow. my comp for him. Yeah, and Simon, is, Simon, Avery actually just said that about two days ago. So really? Yeah, and yeah. Simon, what are your quick thoughts on Gibbs? I know you're probably the lowest on him compared to all of us, but what's kind of the knock that you have on him? Well, I mean, it, it sounds bad, but he's small. I mean, he's only 200 pounds. Um, his BMI is only, it's under 28. Um, and... You know, that's when, when running backs in the NFL, like like JC just said, he's not going to be taking 20 carries a game. It'll, it'll be like 12 to 15. But still, yeah. to hold up, we've seen the other guys, other small guys in the NFL that we were really high on, namely DeAndre Swift, who just, just can't handle the volume and get hurt repeatedly. And personally, I will just be passing on, on Jameer Gibbs. I, I like Sean Tucker more, honestly, and I, I really like Zach Evans still. 
um, as much as I hate Ole Miss. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Um, wow. So I, I would, I'm personally, if I have that pick, I'd be trading it away and hoping for one of those guys later on. Yeah, honestly, and personally for, for me too, I think I'm probably passing up on Gibbs, betting on one of those other high-end receivers there, and then I'm going to uh, take my chances on an Akane or a Charbonnet in the second round. Yeah. You just said Akane. Akane. Akane, sorry, my bad. <coughs> Akane. <laughs> Weirdo. Okay, yeah, so so on. I'll give you my spiel real, real quick. So I took this. I am actually the one that took Gibbs here, and I took him at the end of the fourth round. So for me, like, although people may not be super high on Jameer Gibbs, I, I do think either I'm not drafting him for a rookie running back. I'm not drafting him near at a ceiling, so he does have room to grow here if he were to develop into a good uh, NFL running back and a good PPR back. And I want to put the emphasis on PPR. My hope for Jameer Gibbs, and I totally agree about carries between the tackles. I don't think I'm, you're going to see him getting high volume, you know, workhorse level uh, production if, in terms of on the ground. I would. I think this is going to be a very landing spot dependent uh, player in fantasy in terms of how they use him. Again, I think Aaron Jones. I watch. I watched Jameer Gibbs, and I literally am like that is that is baby Aaron Jones right there. And the part of what makes Aaron Jones so valuable in dynasty and so valuable in fantasy and such a good producer is because uh, he is on an elite offense with an elite passing quarterback. Which I think that you know when you're t- talking about going through your reads and being able to hit your checkdowns. Uh, guys like Rashad White, even in t- in Tampa Bay, are benefiting from Tom Brady being one of the best check down quarterbacks of all time. Uh, but not only that, you know where he lands. I think you know be him being paired with somebody who can be a bruiser running back, just like Aaron Jones is paired with with AJ Dillon, is going to be important for Gibbs because again, he's not going to be that workhorse running back. And then it's going to be a matter of you know, number one, can he stay healthy, and number two. Um, can he get enough volume in the passing game to really make a difference in fantasy from a production standpoint? And I think that I'm obviously optimistic. I'm obviously optimistic he'll go somewhere, but this is going to be a very landing spot dependent pick. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, just add, just add one quick thing real quick. I, I, and I know we've, we've all kind of, it sounded like we're like down on Jameer Gibbs. If you, if you look into what Ty McShay saying, what Mel Kuyper's reporting, what a lot of these, you know, draft, like mock draft experts are reporting, it looks like that he potentially could get like that end of the first round draft capital so like if he's if he's a first round pick at running back I, he's going to be a top five pick in your rookie in your rookie and draft. he should be yeah exactly yeah i mean if uh, yeah round. if he has that draft capital I, I i would personally feel like getting him at the end of the fourth is pretty awesome yeah so i'm nice. gonna yeah. that's when you decide trust the yeah, nfl yeah. Which, you know, which pre-draft, pre-draft, guys. we're all obviously you know speculating but yeah. that's kind of where the market lays for him so yeah. so at the let's go Let's kind of combine the 105 through the 107 here with the three wide receivers that go next. Good idea. So at the 105, Quentin Johnson, uh, TCU. And at 106, we've got JSN, uh, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. And then at the 107, we've got Jordan Addison. So with uh, with Johnson, with JSN, with Addison, uh, JC, give us uh, your breakdown on these three guys. You know, surface level. Uh, these obviously are the first three receivers off the board in, in a receiving class that I would say I would wager. You know, now that we're on the other end of it, is probably not as deep as last year's receiving class. Um, what are you thinking about these guys? Who do you like the most actually out of these? I'm, I'm curious to know who you would, what order you take these guys in, uh, what their strengths are, et cetera. So, so give us the breakdown on these three receivers here. Yeah. So. I like all three of them. I think all all three of them are going to be really good, really good pros. Um, I took Quentin Johnston here at the 105. I think that he is the highest ceiling of the three. If you look at like his advanced metrics, like yards per target per per route run, yards per target per team attempt, all these things, they all point to him being an elite 
player, an elite playmaker on a team that, you know, yeah, like the, the conference they play in, they spread the ball out, they throw it around a lot, but he could do a lot of things with the ball, with his ball, with the ball in his hands. And his size at six four or two ten. I mean, he's going to be he's going to be a freak at the combine. Yeah. So I, I think he's going to end up getting drafted in the the top half of the first round. The guy that I compare him to, I'm a Steelers fan. I, I saw this comparison from a full time Dame on, on Twitter, and I just can't get the comparison out of my head. It was like he was on the tip of my tongue, but I couldn't quite put who it is I was thinking of. He looks like Martavis Bryant. Like he just he catches the ball and he just explodes with the ball in his hands. It's almost like his brain is working too fast for his body once he gets the ball in his hands, and then he's seeing all these possibilities that he could, where he could go, what he could do with it. Now, he could he could absolutely, because I think he's he's more raw than these other two guys here, Justin Smith and Jigba and Jordan Anderson. Now, if he doesn't go to the right situation, he could flop. Um, oh. I don't envision a scenario where Jackson Smith and Jigba – and Jordan Addison go into the NFL and they flop. I just don't think that's going to happen. They're too good at route running. They're too good at creating separation. They're fairly good athletes. So I think wherever they end up going, they're going to be productive. The the Addison knock will be that he doesn't weigh enough, but we've seen Devonta Smith here two of the last three weeks just yes. absolutely eviscerate NFL defenses. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba comes from wide receiver U. Ohio State just cranks out receiver after receiver after receiver last year. He outproduced Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave at, at Ohio State under, with C.J. Stroud. He had, he had 1,600 yards receiving last season before this year. He, I, it was almost like he like silent quit this year. Like He right, yeah. had a hand three but didn't play. So If I had to rank it, I think the highest upside is Quentin Johnson. I think the other two in Addison and JSN are, are much safer, though. Yeah. Um, Jordan Addison, better or not as good as Devonta Smith. Oh. I would have to give Devonta Smith the edge. Yeah, I think we would too. Yeah. Um, I do have one question. So what if one of JSN or Jordan Addison were to go to um, Kansas City? Because, I mean, they still don't have a, a prime wide receiver one there. Or um, Green Bay. Let's say Jordan Addison pairs up with Christian Watson in Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. What would that do for you? Would that be enough to move them up over Quentin Johnston? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I, don't think they're, I don't think they're far enough apart. Like, like you're telling me like Quentin Johnston gets drafted by Texans and the Texans take like Bryce Young and then I get, you know, Jordan Addison with Patrick Holmes. Yeah, I'm, I'll take Jordan Addison. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. I, I, yeah, I think we'd give the edge to Devonta too, but it is, I think the, I think the size argument is, you know, fairly out the window now for these elite wide receiver prospects. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba's performance last year kind of spoke for itself. We didn't really need to see much this year. Sad. We couldn't see more, but I really think we could be approaching this NFL draft. And even after the draft, after his landing spot and really looking at specifically JSN being a buy yes. of these three receivers, because it almost seems like the new cool thing to fade him a bit. Um, with Johnson, I know you, Simon, really love him. I really liked watching his film. We kind of compared um, some of his physical aspects to certain um, 
current receivers in the NFL, guys like Mike Williams with his vertical ability. Um, his route running, his poise, his shiftiness, sort of like to that of DeAndre Hopkins. But again, I definitely see the um, oh, situation wait, where wait, he could no, flop. No, no. He so. is nowhere on D-Hop's level with route running. Let's, let's get that uh, correct. No, 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 no. But his, his ability is. to... No. Yeah, obviously. Not. I, I, but, I, I, mean, I get what you're, you're saying. The, the comps. Nathan's right. D Hop does suck. So. Oh, that's true. I forgot yeah. Nathan thought yeah. that. That's, yeah. That is. All right. Moving right. on to the 108. Let's I'm, talk about. I'm curious the, to know this next. The 108 is yeah. Zach Evans out yeah, of Ole Miss. I'm curious to know, JC, was this your running back two in the class? Yeah. So my eyes tell me that he's the RB two, but my heart doesn't. So yeah. I think wow. he's got the prototypical size. He has the five star acumen. I mean, him and Bijan were the only two five-star running backs in this class uh, for recruits. So that tells you, like, the kind of prospect that Zach Evans was coming into college. I mean, he was being sought after by Georgia, by Alabama. He ended up going to TCU. And, and you know, he was he was good for TCU, but he's he's kind of – he struggled to get, like, the, the workhorse role that you want to see from running backs. But then there's the whole argument of, do they have too much work in college? Like, is, is there too much tread on the tires? Are we sure that if they're a workhorse for three years that they're going to last past their rookie contract in the NFL? So you can see it as a good thing, or you can read the reports from Zach Evans that he has character concerns and stuff like that coming out of high school. It doesn't seem like that's a problem now. I mean, if you talk about, if you watch any interviews with him and Quinchon Judkins and at Ole Miss this year, that would be the other knock that Quinchon Junkins like outplayed him. I think Evans was playing with an injury for much for much of the season, and he probably almost in an, in a sense silent quit, kind of like Jack Smith and Jigba. Like he knew that he was probably going to go into the draft and didn't want to didn't want to force anything. But he has the size, yeah. and he has pretty decent receiving ability as well. They, he probably could be a, a workhorse running back. Yeah, and so I I just I kind of agree with you. So when I watched, I went and watched some Zach Evans tape just last week. Um, my eyes just lit up for this dude. Like watching him on tape, um, <clears throat> I was really impressed. And I, I lo- again, the size, the athleticism, I, I just think it's there. So I think really my concern is that I haven't been hearing a lot about Zach Evans in terms of you know buzz to NFL teams. And so my yep. my I think the biggest you know I think this is the case with any prospect, but I think my biggest concern right now is the the lack of buzz that he's getting and and how you know how his draft capital sorts itself out. Because I do think if you see him go as the fourth or fifth, even you know sliding the sixth running back off the board, like that's going to be fairly telling in terms of how NFL teams are evaluating him. And obviously you know that ends up being the the best um <clears throat> the wow, that's good. Ah. The best uh, determination of you know some of these guys' values. So I, I, I think I'm with you. My eyes tell me that Zach Evans is very, very good, but it's hard for me to rank him that high personally in my own running back rankings um, just because, number one, there's a ton of good running backs in this class. Uh, but mm-hmm. number two, I just I, I, that's the only thing I worry about is, is whether or not an NFL team is going to see, you know, this, obviously they see better and more than what they're going to see in Zach Evans. So Yeah, and we'll, we'll see where he goes So in, in the draft, and that'll obviously be very telling. If it's early second round, you know. Yeah. All right, um, back to the quarterback position here at the 109. This is going to be uh, Will Levis from Kentucky, the third quarterback here. He's 6'3", 222 out of Kentucky, and obviously we are hoping he goes to the Indianapolis Colts. So I can already tell you, I already know, you know, JC, you're going to say, you know, pretty much the same thing that everybody has started to give him credit for. You know, while he didn't put up, you know, he didn't floor people with his numbers this year, he also didn't play in the best situation 
uh, from a talent standpoint, from an offensive line standpoint, and and that probably contributed to some of this. Uh, but this is interesting because you know if if Will Levis does get top ten draft capital in the NFL, like I think there's an argument to be made that he could be taken higher than this in startup drafts, just purely because based on the scarcity of the quarterback position currently in dynasty, uh, and then yep. and then also you know him having that draft capital. So all right, give us your breakdown on Levis. Um, you know. Assuming, I think at this point he'll go in the top ten. That's just my gut feeling. But uh, thoughts on him in terms of you know from a fantasy standpoint? Yeah, I think I think here at the one hundred nine one ten we got these guys going here because we don't know what the draft capital is going to be. I think with Young and Stroud, it's fairly certain that they're going to get the draft capital. So these are kind of just we got to put these quarterbacks in the first round of the, of the superflex draft because it's a superflex league. So the quarterbacks are going to go, and these guys. These two guys are absolutely dripping in in tools that you want as a quarterback. But yeah, I mean, Levis's situation, like you like you highlighted a little bit, um, it wasn't the greatest. So like Liam Cohn, like his offensive coordinator, like he left, he went to the Rams, and now he's going back to Kentucky. But Graham Mertz is gonna be the quarterback there now, not Will Levis. And his two best receivers were true freshmen in Barry and Brown and Dane Key. So he lost Wandale Robinson to the NFL draft. Wandale had I believe like a 36 38 percent target share in college so you're talking about an obscene amount of targets and looks being thrown to one receiver and then his starting running back Chris Rodriguez was out for over half the season with the DUI so you're talking about a lot of guys that he lost in a new offensive system I believe this is his fourth year in college so he played at Penn State as a freshman but they didn't play him over Sean Clifford so he left and went to Kentucky so but, yeah, I mean, strongest arm in the class. I don't think it's up for debate, really. Uh, strongest arm in the class. He's so athletic, too. Like, you could you could go oh, and yeah. find clips of this last year of him just hurtling people. And he's <laughs> 6'3". Yep. So he is, he is a very good athlete at the quarterback position, strong arm. I think NFL teams are going to are gonna love him, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I think you're 100% right. I think he definitely goes higher than the 109 when, once draft capital is assigned and stuff. Yeah, and he's a bit of a project. I, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where he does go in that draft because we kind of, as dynasty players, see Will Levis. If you're a real big fan of him and you kind of look at him, you're like, okay, this guy can potentially have the ceiling of what we'd want to see in like a Josh Allen. He has that athletic ability to have that rushing upside, but he's also able to stay in the pocket and make some really accurate throws downfield. Um, and then you see the floor of like, man, this guy could end up being like Sam Darnold. Yeah. And it's it's pretty terrifying. I mean, seeing the, the, the interceptions have been a concern. They were for Darnold coming out of college. He had the arm strength. He had the athleticism. And he just never took that step up in the NFL and I, that's going to be a risk that any team who drafts Levis in the NFL will have to take when they draft him and I, I personally as a major Colts fan I think it's worth the risk I want to see what he can do I think anything is a level up from what we've had at quarterback over the last few years but <laughs> don't say. I, I mean in terms of the film I don't know what you can really really dislike about Will Levis it's more of just a question can he take that extra step in the NFL so. yeah all right staying at the quarterback position here uh, at the 110 went AR 15 uh, Anthony Richardson quarterback out of Florida and you're talking about athletically gifted quarterbacks I mean you <sighs> cannot go you I mean it is hard to find one more gifted than this one uh, I have a lot of questions personally about you know some of his intangibles um, and in and, and 
uh, habits as a quarterback. But go. Ahead. I want to oh, and his tangibles, bro. Always <laughs> <laughs> got some question marks. <laughs> Jeremy, um, go ahead and <laughs> that was funny. Give us your breakdown on Anthony Richardson. I actually don't think I've talked to you about Anthony Richardson, so I'm I'm curious. I know you think I know you think that you know if he gets the draft capital, like he's gonna be going really high in these startups. So yeah, I, well, I mean, you've seen it with you know any run any quarterback that could run the ball. I mean they they go they go so much higher than than what they're actually capable of as a passer. I mean, Jalen Hurts preseason before we even knew that he was going to take this next step in Philly. I mean, he was going what second round, yeah, maybe early third in most startups. So, you know, when you can run the ball as a quarterback, it already protects your floor. Trey Lance, same thing. He was going back into the first, early second. Really hadn't played that much, so. That's what's going to happen with, with Anthony Richardson as long as he's drafted in like the first or second round. Even if he's like a mid-second round pick, I still think he's going to go He's going to go higher than the 110. Yep. The only thing that like, I'll say about Anthony Richardson is that it's a fairly simple system at Florida. Like, he's not really asked to do a ton because they run the ball a lot and then they use his athleticism. He has fairly decent pocket awareness. The only thing that he really suffers from is he kind of lets his legs drift out from underneath of him because his arm is so strong that he doesn't create like a solid base to throw the ball. That it's a lot of arm a lot of the time. Yeah. So, you know, but that'll come with, you know, hopefully him like understanding an NFL passing system and stuff like that, which he hasn't really been asked to do. I don't know what the play calling is like in, you know, the, the Florida huddle, the verbiage and stuff like that. But Anthony Richardson I mean, if he goes to the right situation, I I could see him going on one oh two. I could see him going right after B. John Robinson. Like that's the wow. kind of that's the kind of ceiling that he has. Yeah. I don't it's just a matter of what landing spot does he get, you know? Yeah. I personally not the biggest Anthony Richardson fan. I don't know about you guys, but um I, I just I don't know. It's I, it's hard for me, although the rushing upside, you know, obviously raises that ceiling, and I do think it's probably going to be justified where he goes. It's a guy I'm going to stay away from because I worry. I there are just there are so many other factors that I worry about him. You know, translating to the NFL in terms of quarterback play, um, he is so insanely underdeveloped. Like, yeah, I I literally see him, and I'm like, this is just if someone drafts him in the early first round, this is a ceiling pick and this is a like drafting an even more underdeveloped player than a guy like Trey Lance. And it just, that terrifies me because we have, we don't even know what Trey Lance is. I watched a, a decent amount of AR film and his, some of his, his throws are ridiculous. Like they are insane. He's very talented. It, it's, it's wild. And then you're like, Oh, he went nine for 27 against Florida state. <laughs> Yeah, it's and, and he's just wildly inaccurate sometimes. So, yeah. so, any thoughts on AR? No, you pretty much said it. Yeah, uh, there's. I don't think there's a ton to be said. I mean, it's going to be really it, a lot of these guys again draft dependent. One eleven, Michael Mayer. Obviously, this is a tight end that goes in the first round of a startup draft. We didn't have those last year, uh, but Michael Mayer is projected to go in the first round. I would be surprised if he slid anywhere past you know the first twenty picks. Maybe he goes late first, but he, I think he's locked into the first at this point in terms of you know where he's being mocked he's being mocked to uh by guys who would know what they're talking about so i i know you like michael mayer jeremy um give me give me what you like about him why you think he deserves this type of capital all right i mean he's the most 
he's the most complete tight end prospect that we've seen in a in a really long time at the the tight end position. I mean, Kyle Pitts is an athletic freak, obviously, but you're not really asking Kyle Pitts to get down in line in three point stance and come off the ball and seal off an edge for a running back. Like that's not going to happen really with Kyle Pitts. Um, Michael Mayer is more than capable of doing that. So the fact that he's capable of doing that means that not only is he going to be out in the field for every single play, but the play action system is going to work really well wherever he ends up going um, because he is a great blocker as well as a good receiver. From the time that he was 18 years old, it was a true freshman at Notre Dame. His first game was against Duke. He's just out there just dragging, you know, third, fourth, fifth year players on his lower body. I mean, he's, he's an absolute truck. He's going to be probably six, four, maybe six, five, like two fifty, two fifty five. but he's so thick. Like he, his his build is unlike a lot of a lot of guys in in the NFL right now. Really good yak ability, you know. Unfortunately for him, he hasn't really been able to kind of showcase his his separation because the quarterback play that he's had through much of his college career has been lackluster at best. Um, so a lot of the time, it looks like he's not actually creating separation on his film. But that's just because the quarterbacks don't see the play develop until they're like, oh. Sh- it, like I'm under pressure. Uh, Mike's down there somewhere. Let me throw it. And then Michael Mayer jumps up and rips the ball away from two defenders and then ends up dragging one of them for like seven yards more. I, I think he's probably one of the safer picks in the entire class, especially with the landscape of the dynasty tight end system right now. I, it's just, I can't envision a scenario to where he's not one of the top five tight ends off the board when startups start up in uh, like February, March, April yeah. area. You guys' thoughts on Michael Mayer? Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen a lot of early success, really, even this year from rookie tight ends like Greg Dulcich, Daniel Bellinger, Kate Otten, et cetera. And uh, the common denominator between all those, I mean, Chica Conquo, too, um, is that they're they're fast um, and they're able to, you know, they're, they're translating that success in the receiving game in college to the NFL because of that. And the thing I worry about with Michael Mayer is that he's not, like, he doesn't look fast, and, and maybe, like JC said, is that's just his quarterback play. But I would worry about, you know, in, in college he's beating these other college linebackers, most of whom are not pro caliber. They're not NFL players. Um, so how's that going to go when he switches to the NFL? Um, but uh, you also wonder, you look at George Kittle, who's out there every single play, um, and who has the ability as a blocker, and you're like, well, this is fantasy. We don't care if he can block, because what if he's like George Kittle? In some games, it means he's out there the entire game, but he gets three targets because he's playing left tackle. Sure. You know? Yeah, um, and <clears throat> I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I, I understand that. One, I mean, the, the nice thing about blocking, though, is that does give him more opportunity to be on the field. Um, but on, on top of that, like, I... You know, Michael Mayer could be awesome. I need to look into it more. I think what from what I've seen, he looks really great, and I'm I'm kind of on J on JC there when when he's talking about his talent level. Oh, yeah. But I I just can't get behind taking really almost any tight end in the first round of any rookie draft just because of how bare the landscape is in fantasy. Because I do you really expect Michael Mayer? Like the only time it would be worth it is if he's a top really a top six dynasty tight end sure. where he ends up being worth a 23 first. Yeah. Like I, I, the chances of him getting to that and actually being 
an elite producer in fantasy, I think is maybe lower than people would think. This is just this is just my preliminary thoughts on drafting tight ends in the first round, especially in this class. I feel like you could get a receiver or a running back who has a higher chance at producing at that level that you would expect. So I think, I, I'm not sure. I do think the best I think the best argument for taking Michael Mayer here, like like Jeremy said, is because the Titan landscape in Dynasty has kind of presented itself as fairly bare, which is something we, we weren't necessarily like anticipating in terms of some of the lower end like tight end ones that we had ranked coming into the season. Uh, guys like Noah Font, guys like Irv Smith, even guys that have come completely. I mean, Noah Font's not been bad, but but they, I mean they're not. You're talking about the tier drop off between the elite tight ends and those guys is so big. So it's just I think it's going to be a matter of can he jump into that elite tier of tight ends? You know, the speed is obviously something. You know, the game has evolved to where speedier tight ends are now uh, becoming more and more useful in today's NFL. However, you know, with somebody like Mayer, I do think you know there is still a place for that type of player. It's just I think this is again going to be land spot dependent like this is going to just depend on how the team that draft him drafts him uses him uh he is a fairly safe pick because of the, the capital he's going to get uh, yeah. but, but I, I do think it's going to be a situationally dependent um you know in terms of where he goes here and i do think at the end of the first round you know drafting a tight end with first round draft capital i mean we've seen it with hawk now who has consistently pretty much underperformed and has just flashed even recently his stock is already here you know <clears throat> in the five, you know, early five, late four range, if you if you know if you get my drift, so yep. I think he will retain his value fairly well because he's going to be drafted that high. So, all right, yep. let's, let's wrap this thing up. Um, the one twelve, a guy that I really really like, and I know I don't think there's a single person here that doesn't like this guy is Sean Tucker. So Sean Tucker, I would put you know in the second. I just I think Bijan's in his own tier at the top. Sean Tucker, I'd put him in the second tier, and who I'd probably put you know when my eyes tell me Zach Evans. Um, obviously, I like Gibbs enough to probably put him in that tier. But then I think Sean Tucker is in that tier. I wouldn't be willing to move him down a complete tier. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, and JC's going to lay him out for us. I, I love he is a PPR back. If you cannot tell, I love PPR backs. That is why I took Gibbs here at the end of the fourth. Guys that can develop into those pass-catching running backs in the NFL, for some reason, I mean, they just get my goat. I love I love Sean Tucker because of his ability to work uh, in the receiving game because of his explosiveness. He is extremely explosive. Uh, he, I, I, he is such an athlete, and, and I really think that could translate uh, to the NFL in terms of how a team uses him. But, Jeremy, give us your thoughts real quick uh, to wrap this up on Sean Tucker. Yeah, so I alluded to when I said Zach Evans, if I was watching with my eyes, that he would be my RB2. If I, if I watched game with my heart, Sean Tucker would be my, my RB too. I, uh, he's just, he's gonna like guys that like BMI. Like I, I know BMI was referenced. He, the BMI boys are going to love Sean Tucker. Um, yeah, his five, ten, two, ten, oh, five, ten, two, ten pounds and a 30 BMI. So he's perfect yeah. right there. His thighs are gigantic. His thigh pads are even bigger. When you talk about the Syracuse lineage at the running back position with Jim Brown and Floyd Little and Ernie Davis and all those guys, he's going to carry the torch for those guys. Like you said, PPR monster. If you follow like data analytics, he has a screen play against Louisville week one of this season where he hits 21.9 miles per hour. And it looks like he is just on like a, he's on jet fuel when he's running down the sideline on this play. There's nobody even. I, I would I would venture to guess twenty five yards. There's nobody within twenty five yards of him when he catches this ball and runs down. It hits like that second that second gear. The part of me is like 
I think he could potentially end up being like, a, like if you look at like his advanced metrics are all like extremely good. Like him and a guy that we're not going to mention in this draft in this uh, first part, but second part uh, he'll be covered. They both have very good advanced metrics. Part of me just thinks, you know, what would happen if say like the chiefs, like just use like their late first round pick. I know that I know they used it on Clyde and it didn't work out the way they wanted it to, but if they could get a guy like this with that kind of skill set, that they were envisioning to use Clyde for, I mean, the, the sky would be would be the limit. It's like I, Kareem I, Hunt all over again in KC, but better. Yeah. I mean, even even you've seen Jared McKinnon step in in KC and, like, ultra-produce mm-hmm. because he's being used correctly. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, I love Sean Tucker. You guys have any thoughts on Sean Tucker before I wrap this up with my thoughts? And nope. He's my RB2 in the class as well, so I, I think we're all on the same page. All right, yeah, yeah, so DD, obviously high on Sean Tucker here. Um, I, I, again... It's early, and and we know that you know, and we had to mention this. On, on, it just came up every time. It's going to be landing spot dependent for a lot of these guys. Draft capital is huge. It should be the most important thing in most people's mind here, especially as you're playing dynasty, because you are not a better evaluator than NFL pr- scouts are. You just aren't that good. I mean, JC is the best out of probably the three of us for sure. I mean, you just, you could hear how knowledgeable he is, and he would even admit the draft capital is absolutely king. Like, I mean. It is it is very very important. So it'll be landing spot dependent too. Uh, but we're gonna do a ton of analysis this offseason for these rookies. So make sure you subscribe to the channel because we are going to be coming out with all types of rookie content. We're gonna be doing it all offseason until the draft. We're gonna have all kinds of videos on specific players. We're gonna do plenty of mock drafts. We'll keep you updated on who's falling, who's rising, who the values are, etc. So it'd be a great time to subscribe. Make sure you've got all the analysis uh, at your fingertips. Make sure you like this video, and that's gonna wrap us up for today. So, thanks for making it this far. Thanks for watching. We really appreciate all of you. Uh, This has been Dynasty Domain.